First, giving honor to God, to our pastor, Pastor Anderson, and to all of the ministers of the gospel, and to all of the officers and leaders of Lily Grove. First, let me thank God for another day. a day we neither earned nor deserved. A lot of us get up in the morning like God owed us another day, or like we did something to earn another day. But I don't care how saved you are. I don't care how holy you look to us. All of us have done enough wrong that any night we sleep, if God just checked the record, none of us would see the next morning. So every day is a gift from God. A lot of uh, my staff be checking the weather when I'm traveling and giving me whatever the forecast is and tell me in the morning, text me and tell me what it's going to be like. And I rarely check the weather because every day is a good day to me. <laughs> Could be a good cold day, good hot day, good rainy day, good dry day, good cloudy day, good clear day. Every day above ground is a good day to me. Because every day I get up, I realize that somehow while I slept, a divine decision was made to look beyond my faults and supply my needs. And I try to show God every day that I'm grateful that he gave me what he didn't owe me, but he gave it to me anyhow. I'm so glad that my enemies didn't have a vote on it last night, that God reserves that decision all by himself. Then I'm happy to be here at Lily Grove. Always honored to be in this great church, this great place of worship. And no, great, no greater pastor I know in this country, and I know many, than your pastor and shepherd, Reverend Terry Anderson. <laughs> Reverend Anderson is a minister, preacher, par excellence, you can tell when somebody is a preacher when others imitate them. 
But then he's a pastor because we have too many preachers that are performers. That are good on the platform, but not good at ministering to the sheep. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Didn't say entertain my sheep. And he is a pastor and a great preacher. And then he is one with a heart for the people. He serves on our National Board of National Action Network and serves it diligently. He's one of the board members. Some board members, you got to call them. He'll call me or text me and say, you need to be on this issue. Why ain't you talking about Uvalde? What about this? What about that? And that's the kind of board member you need. So I, he, you know, we have just elected, when I started National Action Network 31 years ago, we had to have five people to sign in corporation papers. One of the five was a black police officer from Brooklyn named Eric Adams, who's now the mayor. And Eric Adams wanted me with them today at 9-11. I told them, I've got to be in Houston with Terry Anderson. I'll be with y'all for the evening stuff. But he has that kind of bonding with me. And we have that kind of relationship that if Terry Anderson asks me to do something, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to test it because I'm going to ask him after service, can I drive his Rolls Royce back to the airport? <laughs> I'm just going to test it, see if it's reciprocal. <laughs> Give a hand now, Pastor Reverend Terry Anderson. Give him a big hand. Then so many of our friends, I'm honored to see in the audience, I have to mention one of the great minds and statesmen of this country who I have so much respect and admiration for, Congressman Al Green is in the house. I believe many others, State Representative Reynolds and others are with us. Let, let me say uh, this. Uh, as the world is commemorating the Queen and the 21st anniversary of 9-11, there's no better place to be than in the house of worship. Amen. And to get clarity in these times. Because we are in very precarious times. At one level, we have seen a lot in history, but at another level, we are seeing things we've not seen. We've never seen a former president's house raided. Never seen that. Never seen a former president choose the judge that stalls the trial. Never seen a governor in Texas that send migrants, but he only sends them to cities that got black mayors. You know, Abbott is very selective. He sends them to Washington, black mayor, New York, black mayor, Chicago. There are a whole lot of mayors in between Texas 
and New York, he could have sent them to. Just like he's very selective on his issue with children. Whatever our religious belief is, pro-life or pro-choice, it always bothers me when people love kids until they're born. While I'm in the womb, you love me, you fight for me. But once I come out of my mother's womb, you cut education, you cut childcare, you cut everything that I need. And those that are afraid to address it are those that are really shortchanging the calling of God. You know, I've been preaching a long time, as Pastor Anderson said, and I've gone to places, and uh, pastors have said, unlike a Terry Anderson, we're now, now I, I, I'm honored that you come, but now I don't want you to be political, just preach the word. And I said, well, what word do you, you, maybe you got a different Bible in here. Maybe you got the Negro version that I didn't get. Because all through the Bible, God talks about stuff that affects his people. If God could use Daniel and the three Hebrew boys to challenge Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar, what makes you think God can't use an Al Sharpton or Al Green to challenge Donald Trump? If the Bible starts, second book, with the exodus of slaves out of bondage, then why do you think it's against worship to talk about taking African-American slaves and recognizing the bondage God brought us out of? When Al Green did Slavery Remembrance Day last week, that is celebrating God. You've got a narrow salvation like God is only as wide as your house or your apartment. Like he created heaven and earth for you and your husband to get along. God is bigger than that. Broader than that, but in small at the same time. And that's why I love coming to Lily Grove. Let's go to the book, Book of Joshua. Third chapter. Let's start the first verse. It says, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan where they camped where they camped before crossing over. After three days the officers were throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance 
of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. I want to use for a thought this morning, one more river to cross. One more river to cross. I remember in 2013, I sat on the platform at the Capitol in Washington, D.C. as a guest of President Barack Obama as he was being inaugurated for his second term as president. And I remember we were seated, Martin Luther King III and his wife and I were seated on the second row behind the Supreme Court justices. And it was a very cold day, but we were so honored we sat there and the Senate and Congress people were behind us. And one of the members of the Senate said to me as they brought the Bibles out to inaugurate Obama, Al, it's a great day. I said, yes, it is. He says, and isn't it awesome to see a black president being sworn in on the Bibles of Abraham Lincoln and Martin Luther King? And I said, yes, it is. I thought about this week, that this week when they unveiled the portraits of Obama, both Mr. and Mrs. And I looked back at that senator as we walked back into the Capitol after the inauguration. I said, but let me tell you something about those two Bibles. It's a great honor that both of them were here on the steps of the Capitol as this black man was inaugurated for a second term. But don't get confused. Both of those Bibles were being held to swear him in. But both those Bibles took different journeys to get there. Abraham Lincoln's Bible was on the mantle place in the White House, heads of states and captains of industry and generals of armed forces would come and look at that Bible. But Dr. King's Bible didn't come that route. In fact, if you opened up the front of Dr. King's Bible and the inside cover is a cell number from Birmingham where they had to mark the cell number down as property when he went to jail for fighting for blacks to have rights in Birmingham. That Bible came through the backwoods of Georgia and the bayous of Louisiana and the segregated restaurants of Arkansas, yet the Bibles are both at the same place. And as I sat there thinking of all of the struggles we'd gone through, I said, it's a great day. But not long after Obama, four years, fought through many cases in those four years, Trayvon Martin and Michael Brown in Ferguson and Eric Garner in New York, and I'm in and out of the White House, and we're dealing with from the marches to the White House. And then behind that, is election of Donald Trump. We thought 
the struggles was over. We thought we had arrived. Black president, black first lady, black girls growing up in the White House. And here comes Trump. And it is a reminder to us that struggles are for long distance runners. Some of you right now in your personal life over enjoy good moments and don't prepare for bad moments. That's why some of you can't keep friends because you're only a fair weather friend. So we went from eight years of Obama to four years of Trump. And it made me, Anderson, go back to the book that there was more than one river that the children of Israel had to cross. We love to talk about how Moses and the children got to the Red Sea and dry land was made by God but after they marched through the dry land, they wasn't in the promised land yet. They still had one more river to cross. So they went on. God sent Moses, sent Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And the reason you could always know when God sends somebody is he'll back them up. One of the things you get wrong is that we look for qualifications on who God's going to send. We look for whether they meet our criteria. But God got a habit of using unlikely people rejected people people that you don't think would do nothing think people that you think was too discarded to be used but let me tell you God used Moses Moses had killed the man and was a fugitive left so he wouldn't be prosecuted for murder and ended up going out and marrying and came up on a burning bush and God took a murdering fugitive. Not somebody out of seminary. Not somebody out of the prayer circle. But a fugitive. And say, I want you to go back. I know that you wanted there. Go back. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. You know the address because I arranged to have you raised in the house. Moses started making excuses. Well, wait a minute. You, you don't want me. I can't speak. I got a heavy tongue. God said, shut up. I know you couldn't talk when you come up here. Just open up your mouth and I'll speak for you. 
somebody sitting here today, God done called you and you talking about what you can't do. God knew what you couldn't do when he called you. God don't like to use perfect folk. Because if they are perfect, you would think it was them. But if God takes some reject, somebody that had messed up in life, somebody that had been sorted and somebody had been dirtied up, and he picks them up and cleans them off, then God can get the glory because everyone would say only God could have done that. You know, I'll be honest with you, Congressman Green, I don't like hanging out with folk that ain't been through nothing. You know, I go places, people say, Mal, I want to work with you, want to work with Nash Action Network, here's my resume. I've been through the best schools. I've got nobody ever said nothing bad about me. You can check all my references. And I take it and I smile, but I don't want nobody with me like that. Because if you've done, had such an easy, perfect road, I don't know what you could take. I like to hang out with folk that been knocked down and dragged through the mud, been talked about and scandalized, been left alone and tossed to the side, and somehow God picked them up and lifted them off anyhow. Cause if you hang out with me, we liable to go through something. And if you ain't never been through nothing, I don't know if you can get through something. But if you been through the storms, if you been through the fire, you ain't in church guessing what God can do. You can glorify him cause you know what God can do. Some of y'all in here guessing what God could do. Some of y'all just so cool when they singing them hymns, but some of us couldn't sit still. Because them hymns wasn't just entertainment to us. We thought about why God brought us through. I'm talking about stuff we never told nobody. I'm talking about days we thought we wouldn't make it. And we wouldn't even tell our best friend. But somehow God made a way out of no way. So the children of Israel, God sent Moses, backed them up with seven plagues. Finally, the last plague broke Pharaoh's grip. Took the firstborn of everyone, every child that didn't have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the Passover. Let them go and they marched into the banks of the Red Sea. And then they got to the banks of the Red Sea. They started hearing horse hoofs. They started hearing something coming behind them. And they said, wait a minute, what is that? That sounds like Pharaoh's chariots coming to recapture us. 
And what they didn't know is God had already told Moses, don't worry. I'm going to do something here. You just hold on to your faith. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Why are you going to do that, God? Because I want the children of Israel to understand that I delivered them. Sometimes you go through testing life. It ain't the devil. Sometimes God will make a situation happen in your life to show you that I'm on your side. Israelites heard Pharaoh's army coming and they turned on Moses. There's a trick. You brought us out here to die. Wasn't there enough graves in Egypt? Some of the Uncle Tom Israelites turned on Moses. But at the right time, God said, stretch out your rod. Don't argue with them. When folk criticize you, stretch out your rod. You ain't got to explain nothing to them. Stretch out your rod. You don't have to justify nothing. Stretch out your rod. And when he stretched out his rod, the waters backed up. And there was dry land in the middle of the Red Sea. And they marched on into the wilderness. But here's where it gets tricky, Dr. Anderson. They got in the wilderness, and the Bible said they wandered for 40 years. And in those 40 years, they started worshiping graven images. Started worshiping idol gods started worshiping golden calves. And I used to preach right past that, but I thought about that lately. The reason that some of them did that is the reason some of us is doing it now. Well, what do you mean, Shopton? Well, you got to remember, if they were there 40 years, most of the folk that came across the Red Sea had died by then. And you were dealing with wilderness babies who didn't know what God did at the Red Sea. You were dealing with wilderness babies that wasn't there for the night of the Passover. You were dealing with wilderness babies that didn't know that God had mothers praying for them when they were in bondage. Same thing today, we are in 2022. The march on Washington was 59 years ago. Dr. King was killed over 50 years ago. And we are now in an era of wilderness Negroes that don't know how we fought to get where we got. Wilderness folk. That don't remember the back of the bus. Wilderness folk. That don't remember that we didn't have black mayors and we didn't have black governors. Wilderness folk. That don't want to vote because they don't remember Medgar Evers died to give them the right to vote. Wilderness folk. That think they sitting up in C-suites and corporations because they qualified not knowing we had to fight and march and go to jail to get them up in them C-suites. Wilderness folks 
that walk in these college campuses wanting to hang out and figure out where they can smoke a joint. Not remembering it wasn't long ago your mama and daddy couldn't go to them colleges. And we fought to open them doors up to the campus feeling if you got there you would bring that expertise back to us. Wilderness folks that we used to have James Brown singing Black and Proud and Aretha singing Respect and Marvin Gaye singing What's Going On. Now you got wilderness folks standing on stage with their pants down calling us niggas and hoes and bees. your wilderness folks Diane Carroll when I was a kid black dignity doing Julia on TV Sydney Poitier with dignity now you're on doing housewives ripping each other's hair weaves out shaming a race that fought to get here wilderness folks And after wandering 40 years, God said to Joshua, you got one more river to cross. I'd let y'all wander 40 years because I got y'all out of Egypt. But I had to wait and get the Egypt out of y'all. And I'm ready to bring you cross, but I want you to put the ark out front. And I want you to bring the bones of Joseph. March behind the bones of Joseph into the promised land. Why are we going to march behind the ark? Why are we going to march behind the bones of Joseph? Because what is it called? It's the promised land. I didn't promise y'all nothing. I promise Abraham, I promise Isaac, I promise Joseph, you're collecting on the promises I made your forefathers. You sitting up here with all that your grandparents didn't have. God don't owe you nothing, but he promised your grandmama that he would bless her seed. And then Joshua, who was Moses' youth director now, Joshua, come out of the army. That's why folk that these fly-by lights that come to, to Houston and got a new thing and a new anointing, ain't nobody ever heard of them. God raises up prophets. Joshua was with Caleb when they surveyed the land in the first place. And he said to Joshua, now go on to the Jordan. He said, and as I was with Moses, you were there, you saw what I did with Moses. So shall I be with you. As I was with those ahead of you, 
so shall I be with you. As I was when y'all fought Governor Wallace and Governor Lester Maddox. If you think about how I was with Dr. King against Wallace, so can I be with you against Abbott. We beat folks rougher than Trump. You just forgot where you come from. And he said, before we get on the other side, first of all, you ain't gonna imitate the Red Sea because I'm not opening up making dry land. I want you to step into the river and I'm gonna hold the flow down. See, a lot of y'all get confused and imitate your mentors and imitate the ones ahead of you. No, you get the same anointing, but God gonna use you in a different way. Wasn't no dry land. I'm gonna take you in the, step in the river. Step on the rock, and I'm going to stop the flow. I am God. I do different things different times. And when you get over there, I want you to get some stones. In fact, get 12 of them. Why 12? I want one stone for each of the tribes of Israel. Why do we need 12 stones for the 12 tribes? because I want you to build a monument to memorialize what I did at the Jordan. Because one day your children will ask. Oh, you remember what I did, but one day your children will ask. What do these stones mean? And I want you to tell them when all hope was gone, God made a way out of no way. I come to talk to somebody this morning that you done been through things, you made some success, you broke through some situations, but you got one more river to cross. You might not have told us what it is, you may have been holding it in, but I want to remind you today the same God that brought you through the Red Sea in your life will bring you through the Jordan. You didn't get through by yourself. Don't you worry about it now. God is still on the throne. Somebody facing a crisis in their life. Somebody facing a situation in their life. You thought you come to church only to hear civil rights. I come to tell you, you got one more river to cross. And the same God that brought you this far, he didn't bring you to leave you now. All you got to do is believe in him. And believe in him based on what he's already done. I, I, I was at a conference not long ago and Anderson, some of the ministers were sitting around in the study before we went to the pulpit and they were talking about different situations they faced in the ministry. And they said they had gone through challenges and trials and tribulations. And one of the ministers said, uh, you know, when I go through a situation, I take my Bible and I read what God did for Job. And it gives me the strength to go on. Another one said, well, I don't read Job, I read Jeremiah. 
said, just like fire, shut up in my bones. <clears throat> they went around the room. They finally got to me. They said, Al, you've been through controversies. We've seen stuff on the news where you went through tight squeezes. What do you do when you face it? I said, well, let me tell you the truth. Uh, when I face a situation, I, I, I don't read Job's story because the whole story may not be there. I don't read Jeremiah's story. I get off somewhere quiet and I hit the rewind button in my own mind and I think about what God done for me. I'm not talking about things I told my friends about. I'm not talking about things I shared with my children. I'm talking about things that nobody knows but me. Days I thought I couldn't make it. Situations I was scared to face. But somehow, somewhere, God made a way out of no way. He walks with me. He talks with me. He tells me that I'm his own. He's been food when I was hungry. He been watered when I was thirsty. He's my rock, my sword and shield, my wheel, my wheel. My wheel in the middle of the wheel. He's the lily of the valley, the bright and morning star. He woke me up this morning, started me on my way. Yes, yes, yes. You know, yesterday I got down to NBC to do my television show. Earlier that day, they had made Prince George King George because he was Elizabeth II's son and he inherited the throne based on hereditary. I looked at that on television as I sat in the studio. I thought about I didn't come from a royal family. Daddy left when I was 10 years old. Mama went on welfare and did domestic work. I didn't, I didn't inherit no crown from my mama, but I still come from royalty. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I ain't like George. I ain't an heir to the throne, but I'm an heir of salvation, purchased by God. I was born of his spirit. I've been washed in his blood. This is, this is, this is my story. This is my song, praising 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 my savior all the day long yes yes
21 years ago today, I was in Brooklyn, New York, when they hit the Twin Towers. I saw they had one survivor here. We didn't know what had happened. They cut the trains off. They closed the bridges and the tunnels. I had to walk from Brooklyn all the way to my headquarters in Harlem. When I got there, there were about 200 people that had come in the auditorium because they couldn't use cell phones. They knocked all of that out. And they thought maybe we had some information. Maybe we could help them find out if the loved ones down in the trade tower was all right. First time in my life, I didn't know what to say. I'd been preaching since I was a little boy, and I always knew what to say to people. But Anderson, this was the first time I was speechless. I went in my office trying to figure out how to give them comfort, but I didn't know if there was gonna be another attack any moment. And I sat there trying to mull over what to tell people in the middle of the first terror attack on the homeland of the United States. But I remembered an old preacher told me, he said, Al, when you face something you don't know, all you do is you have to go to the book and you can find out what to do. So as others went around doing whatever they were doing, I closed the door to my study at the headquarters and I took out my Bible and I turned my Bible and I flipped to the end of the book and I found out what to do. And if you facing a river today, I'm gonna tell you what we did in 9-11. I've been to the end of the book. At the end of the book of this word, it says that the first will be last, and the last will be first, and the lion and the lamb gonna lay down together. I can't promise tomorrow, but I've been to the end of the book. God will, God will, God will make a way. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. I've been to the end of the book. God will hold your hand. God will guide your feet. God will make your way. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. Yes. Yes, you know, before I got up, I heard the choir sing. I wish I could sing like that, but God didn't give me that gift green. But sometimes in the midnight hours, after my cell phone stopped ringing, after the doorbell quiets down, I go out in my living room all by myself and I sing my song. I can't sing like Lily Grove Choir. I can't sing like the lead soloist, but I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eyes, his eyes, his eyes is on the sparrow. I, 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 I know he watches me. Yes, yes, 
Yes! 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 <laughs>